Welcome to Thursday Night's Point Class with Catherine. This is Catherine Kogel, and this is a podcast on everything in life through the art of ballet, dance, and teaching. So we'll be exploring just really any topics that come up throughout my week, and I'll be exploring it through teaching, through my experience as a dancer, through my knowledge of ballet, and really just anything else. It's just going to be a high old time. Um, today I want to talk about coaching and the art of coaching. Um, this has been coming up this week. I've had a few conversations on the ideal way of being coached and what goes into that and also the bad ways of being coached. And when it comes to it, working with young artists or artists in general, I think that coaching is a very important art form that is going to really help a person flourish as an artist and also help them to dive in even deeper to understand themselves. I think that coaches and teachers and when you're when a director or a teacher or whatever choreographer is coaching somebody there needs to be a deep innate knowledge of human beings and their connection to their spiritual self and an understanding of honestly how trauma works and shows up in the body. I'm not saying that coaching is a therapy, but I mean, honestly, anything where we're asking someone else to be vulnerable in a space, no matter what that space is, whether it's chef space, um, dancing, performing, writing, or being in a relationship, a friendship or a loving relationship, we are, I already lost my train of thought because I already completely forgot. But <laughs> when you're asking people to be vulnerable in those spaces, you have to know how that relationship works and you have to be willing to show the person that you're coaching or teaching that you are someone to trust and you don't even have to have them know that. You just have to be that someone that they can trust. Otherwise, when you ask for somebody to do something for you, move into a way of dancing that they've never done before or something like that, they're not going to trust you enough to want to do that. They might be playing it safe. They might be doing what they're doing and not stepping outside of what you're asking them to do because they don't trust the space that they're in. They don't trust the person in the front of the room that's coaching them to be able to take that leap. Obviously, it can be deeper than that. It's not just that. There, everything is everything. There are a lot of things that go coincide with that. But that's the basic relationship between a coach and an artist. And we'll keep it with like coaching an artist and dance artists. Like you can't expect somebody to all of a sudden show up completely vulnerable and have that manifest through their physical movements in their body. If you have not done the work as the coach, director, um, choreographer, teacher to guide them into a space where they can trust you to then be able to learn how to trust themselves and push past any limiting feelings, beliefs, and physical understand of like ideas of what their body can do physical like abilities they got to be able to push through past those limitations as well so something that like comes up for me in this regard is everything takes time and is it a, a relationship 
And if you have a short period of time to work with a group of artists or an artist, you have to take the time at the beginning to set up that space. If you're coming into a new space with new people, you need to honestly start with like conversation and you have to be willing to show yourself, to show your, your vulnerability to an extent, obviously without giving the farm away, but you need to be able to show that, I guess, with boundaries so that they can feel like it's kind of like, oh, I've shown you mine, now you show me yours type thing. Like I share, it's a potluck. I've shared my food, you share your food and we'll be able to grow together and feed the, and feed the village. We'll be able to feed the village with our abundance of vulnerability. <laughs> oh, well, um, I don't even know if that makes sense. <laughs> so like stepping into a space, whenever I've gone in to work in, work with new students that I've just met, like if I'm a guest teacher, I usually start off, I just, I know I have a period of time and I know how I operate. So I know that I'm going to be able to, just the way that I natural, naturally teach, will be able to show them who I am be honest and vulnerable, share experiences that I've had that are personal to help them trust me and understand that I have this compassionate heart. I understand from a personal point of view where there might be fears or limitations or whatever so that when they're stepping into um, a class with me and I'm asking them to push themselves, they're going to step there with me because they feel that they can trust through the way that I've shared and um, not, what's the word? Not like, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking colluding. I haven't colluded with them. <laughs> but the that I've, I've, we have common, I've shared my common like feelings around dance. They know that I feel, I have felt or feel what they might be feeling as students. As a student, I felt those things. I've shared that with them. So they understand that I know what I'm feeling and I have a compassionate heart around that. So if they're feeling that, I can guide them out of it because they know that I have compassion for what they're having. I'm not judging it. And I'm here to carry them out. It was interesting. We had um, we had Alonzo King come in and he was talking about this. And he did this beautifully. He sat down with the teachers. He had barely met us. Maybe we had watched him teach a few of us. But what he did right away was he was storytelling. He right away was talking about teaching, but he was talking about teaching and the importance of it through the stories of his own personal life and his own personal journey, starting as a young boy all the way up to being starting his own company. And he had stories of his own realizations. He had stories of people teaching him things and their wisdom and how that unlocked his own internal wisdom. And through that, we were able to all go there with him. He was, he was asking us to look at the way structures had been set up and think about and question them in dance specifically. We all know the structures that I'm talking about, sexism, racism, um, bodyism, whatever you wanna say. And we were, there with him with an open heart because he was talking about these things without judgment, sharing from his own personal experience. And so we felt like we could tap in to those personal experiences as well and be able to share them or sit quietly and take in, absorb what he was saying because he was showing that he was human too, just like us. No one is perfect. But our wisdom 
that we find through our awareness with mistakes is our godliness, our our power, where we want to all ultimately relate from, connect from, is the wisdom space within us all. So when I say that I'm guiding these young people and through coaching, I'm to like expand themselves as artists. I'm not God. I am not the God that's like making them do this. This is not an egotistical thing. I am opening them up to their internal wisdom as a coach, as a guide, as a teacher, so that they can feel their innate power. I'm not giving them power. No, nothing is giving them power. They are just getting out of their own way, learning to push that stuff aside or more so dissolve it, let it go, or step into it a little bit more with a little bit more courage and less, and in the face of fear, because that's really what it is. Osho is, talks about this. It's courage is acting in all of your fear. Even if there is fear and it is the biggest, scariest monster ever, you go right into the heart of the beast. That's what coaching is, is it's helping people step into that heart of the beast to discover their innate wisdom and power that I, that no I can't give them nobody can give them only they can discover for themselves maybe people can see it for them that's usually the case for all of us people can be like I see your power in this I see you're capable in this and we're so quickly to poo poo it push it away <laughs> I'm queen of that um but it's a matter of guiding them to understand how they operate or to recognize the fear, recognize the scary notions that we hold in our head and move forward anyway. That's like the heart of coaching, I think, is being the guide that knows when to disappear into the, into the shadows when the time is right for the person, the artist, to rise up and fend for themselves. You know, it's kind of like pushing the, the little birdie out of the nest. You know. You know that the person's going to be fine. And sometimes they know, and other times they might not know, and then they discover it, and then they, and then they do know. Um, what does that look like? I'm using a lot of not concrete examples. Uh, let me think. One of the examples that I often give to dancers is a double pirouette from fifth position. So in ballet... You put your feet together in fifth position, your toes are turned out, your heels are touching each other, and a double pirouette from fifth position is obviously we all know pirouette. You go around two times, but you're not coming from a wide stance. You're coming from a very small stance. You're literally on a pedestal, and this image has been used before. You're on a pedestal with lava all around you, and you're not going to fall into the lava, and you're going to turn right there, and your feet aren't going to fall off that little tiny pedestal and knock you into the lava. This position, this pirouette can be challenging. It was really challenging for me as a young dancer. The position can feel really uncomfortable. You don't get to move your foot. You usually want to move your foot to give yourself more of a, more space or like a sense of ease or I'm not really sure what. It just feels, it feels comfortable to move your foot before you take off. And the idea of the technique is to not disrupt that fifth position, that perfectly placed feet together toes and heels touching situation so when I have a dancer that might be struggling with this I usually share one I struggled with this all the time 
And I started to discover that the more that I stayed in the uncomfortable position of keeping my feet together and diving deeper and deeper into the demi-plie, the bending of my legs, instead of like bouncing in and out of it, even though that felt so uncomfortable, I would discover that it would work so much easier for me. And so I get the dancer into the position. They're going into their bend of their legs, their demi-plie, and I can see. I'm like, it feels uncomfortable, right? And I ask them to acknowledge that feeling if, if they're feeling it, and usually they are. It's an uncomfortable feeling. Okay, we've acknowledged it. Fantastic. Stay in that uncomfortable feeling. Dive yourself even deeper into the discomfort and see what happens. And it's an exploration. That's the other thing that I really push forward as a teacher and a coach. It's like it's all an exploration. You're always trying something new. When someone is coaching you, they're just giving you what they feel is powerful, or the, the best way to go about doing something. Or maybe what they want to impart onto you what they felt if they're, if they're coaching you in a piece that they had done. Like they just want you to feel and move. It's like, you know, we want the best for our children. We just want them, we want to them either avoid a certain feeling that we felt or we want them to experience the same joy that we felt, you know? And so that's usually what coaches are doing. And so if we get if coaches get too tied up in that, we kind of miss the aspect of exploration and we take away that autonomy that each artist has to go into that exploration for themselves. The artist has to be willing to want to go deeper and deeper and deeper in their exploration. We can't force it upon them by like yelling, even being emphatic having too many analogies and quips. It's just not, it's all about doing and feeling and exploring in the sense of pushing past icky feelings, uncomfortable feelings physically and emotionally, and then observing the mind. This is literally like everything is just a metaphor for everything in life, right? This is, you're just observing your mind. You're observing the thoughts that you have. When I take class now, I... When it's across the floor time, I take class with my students at the school, at Colburn School. When it's time for going across the floor, I still get so nervous. I am not professionally dancing. I am not technically a part of the school as a student. I'm not trying to prove anything to anybody. I'm just trying to be there honestly to get a workout and have a good time and, you know, keep up on my knowledge of dance. LOL. You know, and so... I still get so nervous and something I realized is that I can feel nervous and I can go back to where this came from. It started when I was at SAB. I'd be so nervous to go across the floor because I was scared I was going to mess up the steps. I was scared I was going to do a bad job. I was going to fall out of pirouettes. I wasn't going to know what I was going to do. I was so nervous to perform and make sure that I was doing it perfectly and was at least keeping up. I thought I was not as good as the girls around me, at least keeping up to be able to not be kicked out of the school as my peers around me. And so through that, all I was thinking as a young person was, don't mess up. Oh my God, I hate this. Please don't embarrass yourself. Please don't yell at me and kick me out. There's a lot of thoughts going on. And I would tell myself a lot, I can't do this well. That was like the deepest thought. I can't do this well. I'm not going to do this well. I'm going to do it terribly. So when did I become aware of these thoughts? 
just a few years ago when I was going across the floor with my students. So what did I notice? Hmm, you can feel nervous. That's a residual feeling that's still coming up for you. And you don't have to buy into these thoughts. These thoughts are lies. These thoughts you constructed out of a space of fear and disconnectedness um, from your sense of self. And when I say sense of self, I mean sense of true self, your your spirit connected self, not my identity, but my sense of of who I truly am, which is a very deep and personally spiritual thing. Um, that's where I had come up with these ideas. So to let go of these ideas, these thoughts of, I can never do this well, I can't do this well, I'm a terrible dancer basically. I had to move into a space of bravery, which was, or courage, which was, I see, I accept the mistake that I've made, and I'm going to choose outside of this mistake. And I'm going to dance as if no one is watching, least of all my judgmental self, or most of all my judgmental self. Yeah, I'm going to dance as if my judgmental self is not watching. And I'm going to put her in the back. Or it's not even like put her in the back. It's just like, I don't give attention to you. I choose to give attention to this thing that is going to support me as I'm moving. So taking that into coaching, taking that into coaching, um, we're just trying to help artists kind of discover these things for themselves. And this takes time. This takes time. It's also a very, a very, very integrated, like, endeavor. This is, I don't know what to say, except for it's like, it's everything is everything. So it's, it's a whole person situation. And that's all that I, that's all I ever see when it comes down to like anything that you go deeply into, especially around young people and artists or just honestly anybody. It's like, okay, you work on some dancing, you go home and you journal about it. You contemplate it. You meditate to cleanse, to clear and cleanse your mind and become aware of, you do body scans to become aware of like, you know, tensions that you're holding in your body. Why might you be holding those tensions in your body? You come back, you explore again. You're observing and aware of one, if you've moved into a space of more grace and joy. Two, if you're a little off today, why why might that be? But it's not to make you crazy. <laughs> I feel like sometimes when we start to go on this question, question is that the word? Quest, questioning quest. There we go. We go on this questioning quest of like the way we've always been. Like we're starting to question, why do I do things that way? Why am I afraid of this? Why am I, why do I keep going into this cycle? We can kind of make ourselves a little crazy because we think that, Everything we do, we have to correct. And that's just not true. It's not about correcting things. And that's actually something that I have to look out for as a teacher and as a coach myself. Like in coaching, sometimes the best thing is not to overcorrect. Sometimes that's not what it is. Sometimes it's you teach the dancer to accept themselves and what they've just done by just accepting and saying it was beautiful and good. If something goes a little wonky, that's okay. That was that was a part of the dance and it was still beautiful and good. That did not define the rest of your dance. And when we overcorrect, we're teaching 
people to correct themselves all the time and be so critical. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly critical of myself, incredibly critical and overcorrecting myself all the time. And I don't mean by like swinging the pendulum too far the other way. I mean, maybe in a sense, but I mean by like constantly looking at everything I do and being like, I got to fix that. 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 There's nothing that needs to be fixed. If we can accept that every student and every dancer There's not actually something that needs to be fixed. There's just something that we need to grow and blossom. That might be a different way that you approach the coaching and teaching sphere because you're not fixing somebody. They're already an artist. They're already a dancer. You're blossoming something that's there within them and you're teaching them how to get the right nutrients, the right sunlight, the right water, metaphorically to help blossom that for themselves and help grow it for themselves yeah so it's not we don't want to overcorrect and have all these like modalities of meditation and cross training and journaling and all that sort of stuff to like make ourselves crazy we do these as again to become these safe spaces to let it all out to let yourself explore and deepen and love yourself more it's all about excavating and exploring and deepening into finding more of that love for yourself and appreciation for the emanation of love that you are and how that comes out in your own way. The way that we express our love and light is different and that is such a beautiful thing and that's what makes us all remarkable. Oh my gosh, I mean, it's just so true. There's no way of getting around it. And if anyone tells you differently, just don't listen because they're depressed or something. I don't know. (sighs) Anyway, I have some personal stuff going on there, clearly. Um, (laughs) But the other point that I want to touch on before I end this is there are a lot of teachers and directors and choreographers that I have have had personal experience with and have heard about from people who have worked with them. I think that there is a lack of deeper understanding of the power, one, that they have for themselves, and two, the power that they can yield, wield, there we go, wield upon their dancers. And that's not to say that they're all powerful and knowing. I'm just saying that when you're in a place of of leadership at the front of a studio or the front of a classroom, by nature, you have an aspect of power. And so it's really important that you're observing yourself in those scenarios to question like, is this what or what is needed in this moment? And is what I'm doing the best way to go about this for the artists on board here? As a leader, you must be of service. You are being of service to the people around you. Like that is, to me, that's leadership 101. You are being of service. That is the power. It's not that you have power over others or that you have power to create things the way you want to or whatever. It's good to have vision, but the vision should ultimately be of service to the people that you want to lead and help. How can you, when you're coaching an artist on a ballet, be of service to that artist, not 
How can you force that artist to prove themselves to do it the way you want them to for your vision and the way you think you want to present something? This is so critical in shifting the way dance structures and organizations are working. If we can start to look at leadership and really hold our, oh, and I'm speaking to like directors and teachers and stuff right now, don't wait for your company to hold you accountable. Hold your own self accountable as to asking yourself, am I being of service to these people that I am leading? There needs to be an aspect of nurturing. Am I nurturing them? You cannot ask people to step into a space of being challenged if you have not already shown them that you care, love, and nurture them. You can say that and you might even feel that, but if you have not shown them that, you didn't do the work. You didn't do the work. It's not enough to just say that. You have to show that because by showing it, people feel it. People feel it. And if they're not feeling it, that you're of service to them, they're not going to walk with you when you're asking them to, based upon what you perceive, to level up. And I'm frankly very tired of hearing stories and encountering leaders who are not acting like leaders. You must walk the walk because children smell bullshit. And we always say children can tell because we think like they're, they're like either smarter than adults or dumber than adults or whatever. I don't know. Anybody can tell the bullshit because the bullshit speaks through the energy and through the actions. It precedes the words and it is felt by the inaction and echoes like a, a scream in a chamber so loud when the words say something and the actions are not following. It is like, it's so obvious, it's so obvious. So I really encourage all leaders in dance and around the world, honestly, but we'll just stick to dance, to really look at how am I behaving? If I'm expecting my dancers to behave a certain way, both in their work ethic and their attitude and their dancing abilities or whatever, or their willingness to step in or to push themselves artistically. If I'm expecting that from them, am I showing them that same energy? Just like Kanye said, keep that same energy. Are you, am I showing them that same energy? Kanye's music is good. We're, we'll ignore the other parts about everything else. Um, but yeah, keep that same energy. Are you going to just get pissed off when people are not showing up the way that you want them to because you are not showing up for yourself in the way that you want to? You're expecting them. Here's an example. Let's let's give an example before we end this. Wait, let me think of my example really quick. Sorry, hold on one second. I'm going to pause this and I'll come back. Here's the example. I'll use it for, for myself. Recently, I had a conversation with my students and they were talking about um, how they really just wanted a more structured schedule so that they could work on their technique and their point classes and variations and kind of like have a classic ballet schedule so that they could push themselves as dancers. And right now they felt they were spread too thin with all the other works that they were doing and they were really tired. So I was listening to this and I was like, okay, this is great. I was really appreciative of them being honest about what they wanted and it sounded like that was a very fair thing and that completely understandable, thought it was great. So then I went away and I was thinking, well, 
I'm confused because you get a technique class every morning and you can work on that technique and you know you still have teachers that are pushing you technically and you can work on your technique through the dance and I just don't understand why you're not showing up for what you're already given and acting upon those given things those given opportunities there we go oh my gosh given things those given opportunities you have those opportunities already you just have to use them when you can all your teachers are here to support you in that in that space so I start to get a little annoyed about this and I'm kind of annoyed that now mind you I'm not blaming the students this is this is actually all coming back to me FYI so yeah I'm like annoyed that they're like, why are, why are they not using the opportunities that are given to them already? They're acting like they're, you know, they're so tired, but that having a more structured schedule and technique classes would give them what they need. And I'm like, but you literally have a technique class every single day. Now, what was my actual issue? Was it with them? No, they had just communicated what they wanted. I understand. Honestly, I understand what they're saying based upon their schedule, how it's going right now. I get it. What I realized, what I was judging in them and why I was annoyed was something that I was judging in myself. I myself often feel, especially around this time when we've been going since the new year started and spring break is far away and I feel like I never get a break and I'm just teaching ballet classes over and over and over again. I feel something kind of in the reverse where I'm like, I'm always at this school. I keep doing the same things. There's nothing new, interesting that's happening in my life. I don't have any um, creative outlets that are happening. I would love to be doing choreography, dancing, you know, anything around dance that's more entrepreneurial and creative and for the people, not just teaching. This happens to me almost every year. It's been happening to me for years. And I real and I was like, oh my gosh, what do I do? Like, how how do I I can't I can't make it happen because of the way things are structured right now for me. And I realized, and I just kind of am now fully shaping it. I'm not using the opportunities that are already there for me. I have been given opportunities by the space that I have available to me, which is such a gift in this city, by the ability that I have a voice that I can speak to my community which are my colleagues to ask them and talk about maybe opportunities around choreography to plan out my own thing and use the space and time that this job gives me to be able to do that I realized that my judgment towards the students was a judgment that I had for myself and so now for me to have that power to understand that I was judging the aspect that I myself was not using these opportunities that are in plain sight, that are there every single day for me to take advantage of, I was passing judgment on my students. So now I can take that back to them with a deeper understanding of myself and also be like, yo, I have compassion for what you're feeling because I realized I was feeling that too. And I've stopped judging that feeling in myself and I can have compassion for it. I get it. It's frustrating when you feel stuck, when you feel stuck in the same grind. It is frustrating. But how can we get present, get aware, and start to use what has already been given to us by God, by the universe, by nature, by whatever you want to say, by our circumstances that have been blessed to us? How can I use what I already have 
to get what I am seeking deeply within me. I don't have to go outside of my circumstances to get it. I have incredibly blessed circumstances. To think that I'm dancing and teaching kids in a beautiful facility and getting paid for that, yo, like, what am I complaining about? What am I complaining about at the end of the day? Literally, there's nothing for me to complain about. What there is for me to do is to grab the opportunities that I have not yet seen that are within my circumstances. Now that I become aware of it, I can grab those opportunities. Why do I give this example? Why do I give this example? Oh my gosh, I feel, I sound like such a weirdo. Anyway, why do I give this example is this is the type of thought process that I really hope leaders are going through where it's like, I pass judgment on these artists, but you yourself have been this artist in this scenario. You've, you've understood the feelings I'm sure that most of these people are feeling like, why the hell is this person asked me to do this shit? Like, I'm tired. I'm this. They don't understand what it is to be where we're at. Da, 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 da. You know what that feels like. Connect on that feeling. Understand that. Have a conversation about it so that you can understand where they're at so that y'all can actually work together and you can be of service to help guide them and understand how we can better harness the energy of the structure of this space, of this of the schedule or whatever, so that they can show up in the way that you would like for them to show up so that they can push themselves as artists. I just don't, I don't get it. I don't get why people are not thinking this way. Like it's, it, the idea of trying to force things on people is just like mind boggling to me. Mind boggling. And a lot of times we get into this place where it's just like, I'm just going to force, force, force. And as dancers, it's understandable, but that's another podcast. We'll talk about that, how we talk to ourselves as dancers and common, probably common, like, um, what are they called? Common thought processes and issues and whatever, ideals. You know, you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Anyway, this has been Thursday Nights with Catherine, uh, Thursday Night's Point Class and TTYL.